Hi, welcome to On Investors Minds. I'm Tai Hui, the Chief Market Strategist for Asia Pacific at JP Morgan Asset Management. And thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time to learn about what's on Investors Minds and what you can do about it. Now, having spent the past few weeks presenting to clients in Asia as well as in Europe, one market that has come up time and again in the conversations is Japan. The Nikkei 225 is now up almost 20% year-to-date in local currency terms. Warren Buffett said he's going to add to his investment in Japanese stocks in mid-April, which also generated some excitement. So in this episode, I want to take a look at the economic, structural, and technical factors impacting Japanese equities and how this could fit in with portfolio construction. And as always, we will have the investment implications and our three key summary points at the end of this podcast. I'm also delighted to be joined by Alexander Treves, the Asia-Pacific Head of Investment Specialists for the Emerging Markets and Asia-Pacific Equities team. Now, before I bring Alex into the conversation, I want to just recap some of the economic developments of Japan that sets the tone for market optimism. I think there are two areas that's worth considering. First, like many parts of Asia, the Japanese economy is also emerging from the COVID pandemic, and this should provide some additional growth momentum to the economy at a time when export growth is under pressure. Nominal retail sales in the first quarter of 2023 was 6.4% higher than a year ago, and this was partly driven by higher prices. Meanwhile, a tight job market and greater willingness for employers to raise wages should maintain consumption momentum. The tourism sector is also reopening, with the first four months of the year averaging 1.7 million visitors, compared with only 60,000 in the same period last year. And there's still room to grow to get back to the 2.7 million average tourist arrivals in 2019. Now, this growth momentum contrasts with the risk of further slowdown in the U.S. Now, similar to the rest of Asia, while Manufacturing Purchasing Manager Index has been hovering around 50 in recent months, the service sector PMI has been strengthening. In addition to growth momentum, Japan could be finally moving away from its deflationary trend. Year-on-year inflation, excluding food and energy, has been accelerating. Although the Bank of Japan expects inflation to ease back towards its 2% inflation target later in the year, higher cost of living is also bringing some wage inflation, as reflected by the Shinto spring wage negotiations with some large companies are offering the largest wage increase to its unionized employees over 20 years. While one data point does not make a series, the overall direction is that some inflation momentum is starting to build in Japan, and this may persuade the Bank of Japan to consider adjusting its ultra-loose much policy in the months ahead. So, let's turn to Alex. I know our portfolio managers are not only looking at the economy. More importantly, they are spending time looking at the performance of companies and picking those that can deliver shareholders' value over the next three to five years. So let's start with the overall market structure and governance. I recall that part of the Abenomics uh, reform back in 2012 was to improve the financial performance of Japanese companies, including the better use of their abundant cash and better communication with shareholders. And recently, the Tokyo Stock Exchange has revamped the market and grouped the companies into prime, standard, and growth uh, style or sectors, and requested companies to raise their corporate values, especially those companies with a low price-to-book ratio. And last year, we saw Japanese companies with a record amount of share buybacks. 
So Alex, how have Japanese companies responded to the change in corporate governance in recent years? Thanks, Tai. Now, this really is important. It's also a great example of why it's crucial to take a long-term approach to analysis and investing rather than obsessing too much on the short term. Because this has been the sort of slow burn improvement which rarely results in fireworks on any particular day, which is fundamentally important. If investors only look at daily news flow, they risk missing the really significant changes taking place in the background. Now, in essence, over the past decade, the Japanese authorities have been mandating better disclosure for Japanese corporates, pushing for higher standards of governance and encouraging shelters actively to shape their investee companies through engagement, dialogue, and proxy voting. The seeds were planted in the early years of the Abe administration. I think it's fair to say it's taken a while to get going. But the cumulative impact over time has been material and significant. Notably, the key point of the recent Tokyo Stock Exchange measures has been recognition of the importance of improving the value of listed companies, because in aggregate, companies in Japan trade at really low valuations, with about half of all listing companies having a price to book below one. The math is really simple. Valuations are low because returns are low. So if management teams can get returns up, share prices should follow. Some of the tools used to make that happen include helping management teams gain a better understanding of cost of capital, upgrading governance, including the timeliness and quality of disclosure, and having more effective dialogue with shareholders. The next step then actually to achieve higher returns on equity can be some combination of higher mergers, improved asset turns, and leaner balance sheets. These measures aren't all equally easy to achieve, but for example, getting lazy balance sheets into shape is often very feasible. Many companies have had large piles of net cash, unused land, and unnecessary shareholdings. If they can address some of these issues, then Japan can unlock a lot of value. Now, we've seen an increase in interest on Japanese equities in the past few months, and this is also reflected in some solid foreign investors' inflow into the Japanese market around uh, 30 billion yen after accumulating over 84 billion yen of net outflow between 2018 and 2022. Now, have you seen similar interest from our retail and institutional client base? And what's the broad trend of global investment community regarding Japanese equities? Ah, well, okay. So I think Japan remains a market which many people misunderstand and which maybe we can even say is unloved, unfairly so, of course. Partly, this is a function of investors focusing more closely on other markets which enjoy higher levels of nominal GDP growth. We've seen a shift in the balance of the investable universe in APAC. Japan was dominant in the late 80s and early 90s, while China, for example, literally didn't exist as an investable asset class for foreign equity investors back in those days. Well, since 1990, the choice of markets that people can invest in has changed very markedly. And in the process of that change, the global investment community simply paid less attention to Japanese equities. So, for example, in the US and Europe and around much of the rest of Asia, companies have far higher levels of analyst coverage than is the case in Japan. Lots of Japanese companies have no research coverage at all. People haven't been looking that closely at Japan. All of this may well present a gift because less scrutiny results in less efficient pricing and less investment results in lots of marginal buyers. To be clear, no one should celebrate a crowded trade, which is to say a trade in which everyone already owns the same stocks. Conversely, lots of people have zero or minimal exposure to Japanese stocks, which means there are lots of people whose next step. Might be to buy. For example, if profitability continues to improve and the economy is able to move past deflation. And so, to get back to your question, 
Although it's fair to say it's still early days, we've seen a pickup in client interest across the board. Lots of people are looking at the improvements in Japan and asking why they don't have any exposure to it already. And what would be the strategy that our portfolio managers to focus on when investing in Japan? Well, this is a good question, because for all of the talk about inflation and governance and reform, ultimately, it pays to take a bottom-up approach to finding the best companies. So there are two key areas that we look at. One can be characterized as structural growth stories. These are the sorts of companies which already have great business models and high barriers to entry, and which can benefit from areas of the economy which enjoy secular growth irrespective of whichever high-level GDP or inflation print we get. So, Listeners may not realize that although Japan for sure is a developed economy, some areas of society remain quite early in trends like e-commerce or maybe online payments, digitization more broadly, etc. So there are stocks which can benefit from this and also from more global structural themes such as factory automation or computer gaming. But we also look at more traditional corporates, for example, in industrials, manufacturing, transportation. These might not already be world-leading businesses, so they often trade at much cheaper valuations. But if we can find evidence of improved shareholder returns, for example, companies which are conducting share buybacks, which return cash to shareholders, and, and maybe also better pricing power in a more inflationary environment, then a lot of value can be unlocked. As ever, Tai, do the work, take a local and fundamental approach to finding good stocks, cut out the noise and focus on the long term. Now, finally, very briefly, I understand the team focuses on picking stocks. While it might be a bit too early to declare the end of two decades of deflation in Japan, can I ask you, as someone who lived in Japan for many years, would a return to a more normalized inflationary environment be significant? Oh, well, there's a simple answer to that, Tai. Yes, it could be fundamentally transformational. Alex, thank you very much for sharing your insights with us today. So to summarize... First, the economic fundamentals are supportive to a domestic recovery, even though there could be some headwinds for Japanese exporters in the months ahead. Number two, the Japan's uh, corporate governance has been steadily improving in the past decade, and the recent push from the Tokyo Stock Exchange is another step towards greater emphasis on generating shareholder value. Number three, Japan is underowned and under-researched and there are several streams of opportunities for Japanese equities and require active management to unlock potential value, whether these are world-leading tech companies or more traditional manufacturers deploying share buybacks to improve shareholder returns. Thanks for listening. If you've got any questions or comments, please reach out to your JP Morgan Asset Management client advisor. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share this with your friends and colleagues by rating and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform. And don't forget to subscribe via Apple, Google, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you can be kept up to date every time when a new episode comes along. This content is intended for information only, based on assumptions in current market conditions, and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. 
past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. JP Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of JP Morgan Chase and Company and its affiliates worldwide.